Welcome to the latest Pink podcast in the Pink Elephant podcast series, dedicated to leading the way in IT management best practices. Welcome to part five of how to take ITIL processes beyond a maturity level of control with Gary Case and Brian Price. So continuous improvement, number one, it's driven by a number of factors that come into it. You have to identify what all that is. Management data is one of those. How are you doing on your activity metrics, KPIs, CSFs, and your scorecards? That's going to be management information to say whether you need to improve or not. You're going to also have any kind of self-assessments and external assessments or audits that's going to drive uh, potential identification of areas where you're not complying and areas that you need to improve in. Uh, one of the things that I always like to do is I like to always um, involve audit from the very beginning when I'm developing my processes, okay? And the reason I want to do that is I want them to approve my processes as I'm going through the design phase. I don't want to wait until they do an audit on me and then tell me my process sucks, okay? Get them involved at the very beginning. They need to be an ad hoc member of your design team and at the program level uh, so you can have them involved. Also, if you are not involving security, whoever manages that in your organization, huge risk. Security management is not the 11th process. It is not separate because it's a different book in version 2. Security management needs to be embedded in every process, and part of that has to be reports that are going out there. Find a way to get ad hoc recommendations from the staff because that's absolutely important. They're dealing with this process on an ongoing basis. They will identify where there's some improvement opportunities and you have to have that available there. You have to review the process documentation and again, this needs to be planned, scheduled, and resourced. Otherwise, you're going to run into some problems. When you're looking at your process, it's the same thing when you first get started. You need to take a look at where are we today. You're always baselining. And that's every time you do an assessment that creates a new baseline for you to say, are we improving? Then you need to say, where do we want to be? That's that whole maturity. What's your goals and objectives of what you want to accomplish? How do we get there? And then are we there yet? And what this slide is just trying to say is that you have to take into consideration the people, the process, and the technology component all together, even in a continuous improvement model, you're always going to be looking at these same four questions and looking at your high-level workflows, your detailed procedures, your policies, your roles, responsibilities. You're going to have to uh, look at your tool requirements, modify your tool to meet your new process requirements as you've redeveloped them and uh, gone down this continuous uh, road. You need to then take a look at training and how do we make sure that people are all continually being trained with the new process, the new tool, and then, of course, communication is ongoing. It never stops. So you can use this chart at the very beginning of a program, but this is what happens on an ongoing continuous improvement also, is you do the exact same things. That's your model that you always want to focus on. And you have to think in terms of the people, the process, and the technology. You cannot separate them out at all. Huge risk. Don't forget with that, too, is, um, and I know we're going to touch on a little bit more here in tools, is we always look at this chart and people think all we're talking about is those service management tools, the ones that do our incident management process, problem management process. Don't forget about all the other tools you've already got today, your telephone systems that can integrate with those tools, your fax servers, if you still, anybody still use faxes? No, not too many people. Um, but there's all kinds of other tools and technology, particularly in the service desk area and communication tools that can integrate with your service management tools. And just because the service management tools today, I said earlier, are just gangbusters out of the box, doesn't mean they'll all be right for you. 
So as you're gathering these tool requirements, you're looking at what do I need as opposed to another business might need. Best tool that this company over here is using may not be the best tool for you. Uh, the sign-off here, just keep in mind when you're first starting off, it's probably going to be program, project, steering committee sign-off, in production environment, moving forward, getting beyond a level of control uh, or uh, manage, is really now it's going to be your governance group made up of maybe your process owners who become your process cab. They're going to be the ones because what they're going to do is look for integration issues. If I change a process of change management, what does that do to my config management process? What's that do to my release management process? Is there any touch points to the problem process? What does that do for availability, for service level? So you have to start looking at that integration point. And this is not a timeline that you're going to run down. You're going to have some parallel activities and you're going to have some sequential activities. This is just trying to show if these are some of the things that you need to take into consideration. How do you keep the executives kind of involved and everything? It's a, it's a great question and it's been successful in some cases and not successful in others. It's how you set up your structure of what you have as opposed to, you know, not thinking in terms of new terms you're going to find service manager, not service level manager, but a service manager, service delivery manager, the word service. Some people have delivery managers, uh, service owner. And so you, all these groups or roles are going to take some responsibility for that. But uh, it's really going to be defining that role as, let's say, uh, a service manager. They own this now. Okay, they're responsible for the services, and a part of those services are the technology that enables the service, but it's also the processes that enable the service. So you have someone now on the hook for that on an ongoing basis. And again, that's going to be part of what you have to put in place as part of your structure when you roll something out and it gets out of the program. Because your program manager, if you have a program, is going to manage that during the program time period. But then once it goes into production, someone else has to take that on. So it can't be a committee of people. You need to have someone who's accountable. Because if it's a committee of them, what happens? Yeah, yeah. nobody's accountable. You know, it's not me. Yeah. It must be them. So there's that one aspect of it. But you have to make sure that you have the, uh, uh, that set up in place. And, and I worked on one of my first major projects I worked on. Uh, again, it was an organization that uh, we had developed and implemented five processes during that year all at the same time. Okay, I would not recommend that to anyone. Okay, Probably two to three at the absolute most because an organization can only absorb so much change. Okay, So two to three, but five. We did it and we got them implemented successfully uh, and everybody was happy. Okay, Two things happened during that one, uh, that, during that year and one will show you the importance of like a champion in the organization. Uh, they had a champion named Michael and probably one of the best champions that I've ever worked with in my entire life and I love the man dearly. I mean he just, he was great. He could manage upwards, downwards, sideways. He was a true champion and he wasn't that high in the organization but he was the champion for this program. Um, and he wasn't even the executive sponsor. Uh, he went uh, took a trip international on some business, got sick and ended up dying that year. And you could see the program deflate in front of your eyes. But they put someone else in and you know we kept trying to keep it moving and, and we got everything implemented that year as we needed to. 
At the end of the year, they swapped CIOs. The development CIO went to applications and, or the infrastructure went to apps and apps went to infrastructure. Um, and so partway, move backward in the story, partway in the year when we were doing the development, I found out that all these managers' bonuses were tied to this program. So I says, oh, me being me, I asked the question, well, what happens next year if their bonus program isn't attached to this? Oh, it'll be fine. Next year rolled around, of course, ITIL was not a part of their new bonus structure, something else was. But they couldn't see all the work we did this year was now going to enable them to be successful in this new venture. But the second year, folks, they could not spell ITIL if you spotted them the I's, okay? <laughs> Simply because it wasn't attached to their bonus program. So compensation is not the way to entice senior management. It doesn't work. They have got to believe, have the values, that this is the right thing to do and be the change agents and, and the champions for that. And you need to put somebody on the hook. That's my sh long answer, I guess, to a very short question of assign a role. Someone has to be there. Okay. The, the only other point I would have made, too, is I don't know that I would necessarily agree that the law of diminishing returns applies because I think going from level three to four is going to be harder than going from level two to three but I think your benefits are going to actually increase exponentially. There's a lot of benefit to implementing one process up to a level three, but then as you start to integrate the processes, I think those benefits are going to grow even more. So it may be, it's harder and may cost a little more to do it, but I don't know. It could be a good long discussion. I know people yeah. will fall down when I make this next statement, but you should not live by consultants alone. No. You need to develop your own internal... I tell architect and subject matter experts that yeah. you can continue to fall back on and that can help drive that. But part of the things of how you get people's attentions, let's be honest, for many organizations today, when I joked about can you spell socks, it's not only socks, it's all the other regulatory requirements and the legal requirements that IT is now mandated with around the world. Yeah. This is not just US or Canada based, this is around the world. We can go into anywhere. And whether it's in the technology, the medical professions, the uh, financial sector uh, sections, it doesn't matter. There's a ton of regulatory requirements. And if we're not paying attention to those, then we're really in some serious trouble also because that is an external driver that should keep us focused. In most organizations, when you start reviewing an audit report for IT, do you know what the number one process that consumes probably 80% of the audit is? Change. Okay? It's a lack of controls. This is way before SOX even. It's change management. Well, hopefully somebody is taking some action on that if that continues to come up. But the problem is that you can design a process and you can document it and you can implement it. I, I work with one organization, a large financial uh, company on the West Coast, and we had developed change management in, in particular because we knew SOX was right there and it's staring at us in the face. We developed a solid process, and like I say, I work at a strategic level, so I'm not there all the time. So they, I knew they were having their audit, and I came back on site you know, a little after that, and I says, well, how did you guys do in your audits? And they said, we failed. Well, I about fell on the floor. It's like, how in the way? They said, what? They saw my panic on my face. They said, well, wait. They said, the process that we documented saved our butt. We failed the audit because the people are not following the process. 
The process was solid, but it's a compliance thing again. And so that's where someone has to be accountable to say, you know what, if we're not doing this, we need to find a way. Therefore, the process owners, process managers, line managers, everybody plays a part in that, and it has to cascade and have that belief. Great question. Thank you for listening to part five of how to take ITIL processes beyond a maturity level of control with Gary Case and Brian Price. Please join us next week for part six.